having a mic drop out and the instruments and any number of technical things can happen. If all of if our ability to have an encounter with the Lord in worship hinged on all of that, we'd be in a mighty heap of trouble. Worship <laughs> worship is your heart seeking God and pouring out. And um, I never learned that more purely than my first trip to Nigeria because they can just worship to what we would deem to be noise and disruption that we just are not used to because their culture is completely different. So, see, we get used to things, and we get used to in a way, and it's not, it's not always intentional, but we have to do a heart check. Sometimes we get used to the way things sound, and then when something goes wrong or something that we, you know, that doesn't quite go wrong or something that we, oh, well, it's like, ooh, you know, last week it really was soothing here. And this week, not so much. So I just didn't really get anything out of worship. Were you worshiping or were you being? It's the same thing with the spoken word in messages. I hope you're hungry today. Because guess what? When you're truly hungry, you're not going to be real picky. And if I could use the word snotty, um, but I don't mean to say you won't be discerning. You always need to be discerning. Be a brain. You need to be open-minded and then Take it to the Lord yourself. Um, so we're going we're gonna to just start in Hebrews 11. And, and i got to tell you, this never ceases to get old. And, and let me give you the translation that I will be in for the screen. However, I love it for you to read it with your translation or you can follow the screen. But I'm in the Amplified Classic. Um, this one just kind of expounds a little bit more in some ways that I just happen to like. And so um, if I may... Um, I'm just going to start with the first couple of verses, and then I'll tell you where we'll be skipping to. But I love this. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact that which is not revealed to the senses. Mm, I love that. For by faith, verse 2, and trust and holy fervor born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and had obtained a good report. By faith, verse 3, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Skip to verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Um, you see on in this chapter, this is what we call, of course, the hall of faith. And you see on in this chapter that they, it goes on to talk about Noah and some of the others. And I'm going to mention a couple of them. We won't have time to get into all of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, uh, Samuel, Jephthah, David, uh, just all the prophets. There were so many good ones. This is an, an amazing chapter that literally refers to many, many stories. And 
But what I find interesting when the Lord speaks to me about faith, and when I think about, you can call it faith, you can call it trust. Um, and it was such a beautiful segue, ladies downstairs, when Shannon gave her word on, on trusting the Lord. Um, I, I meant to say it as we close this morning that what uh, what a wonderful um, introduction even to what the Lord is saying it to, during this hour. But I want to mention just the Moses, as, or I mean, excuse me, Noah, as we go on in verse seven, prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned of God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this, okay, this faith, his faith which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness. That relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. I find this so interesting. Now, we know that, that Noah um, preached, he warned. But do you know that in the time that we are in, God just showed me a parallel to the, to the now days. These are, these are the last, last days, right? And we know that it's, we are in the time of a, as in the days of Noah. And one thing that I thought was interesting about this scripture that I think, um, I know I've seen it, but it hadn't landed on me fresh. And that was that he actually passed judgment on the people's unbelief around him. Not because he spouted and, and spoke and preached their condemnation if they didn't believe and get in the boat. But do you know when you are sold out, when you are willing to believe God for something absurd, something that he speaks and you believe in relationship with him, you know that it's him, you believe it's him, and you're willing to believe for something that people don't understand or that has never yet even been done, okay? And this was pre the word of God in terms of, I mean, he really had to know God intimately in his relationship and hear the voice of God. But that belief, that radical faith was the condemnation against the others. It's, it's interesting how, even as I think of the parallel today, people are automatically, because of the, the unbelief within a person, allows authorities, allows a demonic entrance into people's lives to influence and take over. And, and it's something that, that even as I thought about with this message, I thought, you know, I'm not, if I get a little, little punchy because I feel so much of it in my spirit this morning, I am not wrestling against people, flesh and blood. I am wrestling against the forces of darkness. And so my declaration, yes, this word this morning is for your encouragement by the power of the Holy Spirit for your challenge. But it is also a declaration of the stance of ignition of myself and of you in unity with me in agreement against the forces of hell. And there, there is something that automatically is an indictment because there's an expectation upon somebody. If a person feels an expectation upon somebody when they're around someone sold out and the person around them doesn't agree with that. It's interesting that um, people can immediately feel 
that um, if you let's say you're talking about this, um, you know, that, that you just every year. Yes, I just do this amazing spring cleaning and I just we clean everything. And I, you know, and I we really we go into the crevices and we just really clean. And I just think being clean, you know, doing a house cleaning, get rid of stuff is really important. Have you ever noticed that when somebody's sharing a story about what they do and that what they passionately believe and they're just they're just sold out to it, that a person's reaction can be, well, what do you don't think I clean my house? Well, what do you I mean? So and you're like. I didn't think we were talking about you. <laughs> I was sharing something I passionately believe in. And a person's sometimes automatic reaction is where they feel kind of condemned. That was true of Jesus. If you look in John chapter 6, when he got very, very straightforward with the teaching that he was doing in Capernaum, he was, he was teaching the word and, and he began to say, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you know, he was telling him who he was. The whole gospel of John is about the Godship, is about who God is. And at one point he stops, Jesus said, and he, he looks at his disciples and he said, does this offend you? Is this too tough for you? Is this too hard? Because there is an offense that people have, especially, sadly, in the bride, when you are sold out. You don't have to have said anything to them. You don't have to have given them a charge of, hey, you should do this, or hey, you should do this. Hey, you should be part of what I'm doing. All you have to do is share a radical testimony of what you're willing to believe, what you do believe, and you're going to find that people immediately feel an indictment against them. That's, that's really an interesting thing that I noticed about Noah, that his, his own faith his own right relation into which God puts the person who has faith past judgment, past a sentence on the world's unbelief. Wow, that is really incredible. Then, of course, there's Abraham in verse 8. Urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place with, uh, which he was destined to receive as an inheritance. He went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go prompted by faith he dwelt verse 9 as a temporary resident in the land which was designated in the promise of god though he was as a stranger in a strange country living in tents with isaac and jacob fellow heirs with him of the same promise for he was verse 10 waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to a city which has fixed and firm foundations whose architect and builder is God. Oh, wow. I just wept when I read that verse because as I was in these faith verses this week, the Lord was just challenging me and, and softly. See, there's, there's therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We know that. But he's always calling us higher. He's always calling us into a place that we've not stepped before. And so he was asking me gently, are you expectant? Are you, are you recognizing in your identity that this, this place in which you live, you are literally a temporary moving shadow? And science has now proven that when you begin to break down cells, there is a, there is a point at which you get that is called non-locale. It's very interesting how... Uh, that's a whole other thing that I can't even deliver to you, um, not being, you know, a physicist in, by any stretch of the word. But 
it's, it's interesting how science has caught up with things that the word of God has always spoken of. Life is but a vapor. It does appear, this life, it just appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And we sing, nothing else matters. We sing all these things, what we will give to the Lord, that, that we would die for, for the Lord, that we want to burn for the Lord. Refine me, Lord. And yet at the first crossroads of a decision, we often choose our flesh. We often choose self-preservation. I'm going to show you an example, um, and I want to take you. I know Joshua was mentioned last week, um, and it's not going to be the take that, uh, that Greg gave. And, of course, he was in Joshua 6 talking about the walls of Jericho coming down. But let's go to Joshua chapter 1, if you would. And I want to just show you something that the Lord showed me that I thought was very interesting about um, Joshua. And um, don't worry about that paper. I don't need it. Um, Joshua chapter 1 is, of course, when... Uh, and it, it, it speaks for itself. So with this one, I'm going to be in the NIV. Okay? So you can, if you want to read the, the board with me, you can. So Joshua chapter 1 in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all people and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon from the, and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, verse 6, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Famous verse we know in Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now here's the interesting part as we read on. And it's only in chapter 1. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, verse 10, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half and the half tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest. He has done this as he has done this for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that... You may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward sunrise. Then they answered Joshua 
Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now that sounds just wonderful, doesn't it? What I want you to see in here is that back in Numbers chapter 32, the Reubenites, or the, the, the tribes of Reuben, they called Reubenites, and Gad and half of Manasseh actually approached Moses and said, you know what, our cattle is really happy here east of the Jordan. And we kind of don't want to go further. We really just want to kind of encamp right here. And we want to know if this is okay. Now, if you read in Numbers 32, you see that Moses' reaction was pretty shocked, pretty harsh. He was spazzing a little bit like, what, are you kidding me? Like, we've just come across where you're about to cross over. You're about to get the full inheritance that you have been promised. And you like this land? And you just want to kind of stay here? Okay. Lord, help me to calm down because I'm just, I can't say seriously enough. The Lord gave him calm, and the Lord said, I'm going to grant them this. I'm going to give them this rest. There are times the Lord will allow things that we ask for, things that we insist on having because we desire them so much that are the permissible will of God but are not the full, complete, total Jeremiah 29, 11 plan for us. Does that mean we are in overt sin? No. I would dare say today it's not about a sin issue. It's about a better versus best. And I will tell you one thing that I want to show you that, that is across different portions of Scripture, which we will not go into this morning. These tribes, it, it's funny how they gave such strong lip service. Hey, man, we just want you to know that, I mean, just like we obeyed Moses, you know, we were hardcore obeying Moses with everything he said. Not really. We are going to obey you, too. And, in fact, if anybody doesn't do it, they ought to be put to death. They ought to just be put to death. And Joshua, I'm sure Joshua was thinking, wow, okay, that's really great. I, I, I love your enthusiasm. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. There were about, um, there were numbered um, 136,930 men that were numbered to have been within those tribes, the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. If you actually go on, and their promise to help fight, because Joshua said, okay, you got, you've been given this rest, but your fighting men need to come over, cross over with us to help us fight for us. And they were like, yes, yes, we'll do it. Well, when you, by the time you get to Joshua 4, do you know that you find out that only 40,000 of those men actually stepped into that fight that they so strongly committed and said that they would be part of? And if you actually go later in history, you find out that those particular tribes, because of where they were positioned, were one of the first to fall, to be taken captive, and to to be, have their, their demise. There is a cost to not pursuing the best that the Lord has for you. 
And I, I want to encourage you this morning, remnant people of God. God has a plan for you that is amazing. And no matter where you think that your pasture land would be a good place for you to park your fanny of life, God may allow it. He may allow it. He may say, okay, I will grant this to you. But is it his perfect will and perfect plan? And at what cost will it be to take his better rather than his best? Over time, you see that the enemy has access when you don't go into the full, full promise of God. See, let faith arise. Do you not think the enemy can see where your faith lies? In Matthew 5, verses 36 and 37, it talks about letting our yea be yea, our yes be yes, and our no be no. These tribes in Joshua chapter 1, they came out just radical, like, oh, yeah, man, you know, we're going we're gonna to fight for you. You know, hey, we're good here, but we'll come. You just call us when you need us, man, and we are going to be there. We are going to fight for you. We're, we're good. I'm sure in Joshua's mind, this is my little commentary interpretation, I'm sure he was thinking, you know, thanks for saying that. Thanks for your enthusiasm. But how about just let your yes be yes and your no be no. What does that mean? Your yes be yes. Does that mean just keep repeating yes over and over again? No. It means when you say yes, let your yes be yes. By faith, live your yes. When I stood at the front of the church, and Greg and I said our vows to one another, and we gave the I do or the yes or the I will or whatever it is that people say in their vow of commitment, his yes, he didn't need to, although it's wonderful and important to hear how much he says he loves me. I think that's important and should be said between couples. But his yes being a yes was how he lived out his commitment to me, dedication to me, every single day in our marriage for the last almost 33 years. That was his yes. And the Lord wants, in fact, it leads you to, to if you read in the New Living Translation of Matthew 5, 36 and 37, it's like if there's more than that that's needed, then something's wrong. It kind of shows that something's wrong. Today, whether you were conscious of it or not, you made a declaration of a pretty profound commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in the worship today. Nothing else matters. You will give him everything. You know, when you say there's so many Christians today that, are, that have said, um, whether they were conscious of it or not, they have declared with their voice in worship all across the nation, more so before the pandemic when they were corporately gathered, but they declared their absolute commitment. I would die for you. I am here for you. My life is yours. My life is yours. And the first opportunity to choose to trust the Lord, to choose to have faith in his purpose and his plan, when something comes against you, there's a decision that isn't for the Lord. How can you give your life to the Lord at a moment of life or death? When you will not give your schedule to the Lord. When you will not give your relationships to the Lord. When you will not give your money to the Lord. Oof, that's a hard one for all of us, right? 
when you will not give your time to the Lord. I will dare say you will not give your life to the Lord when you do not give those other things to the Lord. See, because to devour a plate of food comes one bite at a time. There is no devouring of the plate without the process of the bites that then show the plate has been consumed. It's consumed. It happened one bite at a time. One, yes, one decision to take it, place it in, and now it's gone. It's, it's lost on us, and it's coming to a real squeeze in the body of Christ that we, this idea of the lukewarm being spit out, it's a very, very serious thing, and, and yet I don't, want you to, I don't want you to think that, that necessarily, there's a, there's a couple different ways to look at this, that these tribes necessarily fit into that. They were not part of the group that completely died off and, and fell away. This was, the, this was the group that were with Joshua. They were with Joshua. And yet, even with this amazing word, don't be afraid, be strong, be courageous, every place you step your foot is yours. It is yours already. There's somebody else on it. That's a theft. And I'm going to give you the strength to go in and take that because it is yours. It is your rightful place to be. And yet, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, man. My, my, my cows, my cattle here, they're just really enjoying this over here. And this is, this is just, this is where we're going to be. The Lord asked a question this morning in, in my mind that I thought was very interesting. When the Lord gives you something, let's say you, you, ask, you ask him for something, because he just loves, he's a good father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. So let's say you ask him for something, and, and I'm going to pick on jobs. He, you ask him for a job, and you, you get the job that you desire. Once he releases this job to you, and, and it can be multiple examples, which I'll mention in a moment, but when he gives you that job, is that job yours because he gave it, or is it his that you are stewarding? Have you ever thought about that lens? We... After Brooke was born, went almost 15 years before I was able to have another child. And Yvonne, as you know, was a miracle. The doctors that I dealt with said it was, my chances were near zero. That's pretty low <laughs> of being able to have a baby. And, um, and so she was a miracle. And when the Lord gave her to us, I, I remember it was... Timing-wise in my life, probably the least convenient time, if you will, because there was a period of time where we had left a previous church a long time ago, and we were kind of in between, and it would have just been such a wonderful time to have a child during those years when I could not have a child. Then when I get her, we're blessed with her, and we were so delighted. It was in the height of busyness of our ministry. I mean, just like my, my women's ministry, everything going on, just crazy. And I never understood why that God's sovereign plan was such that the timing would be that. Except that what he showed me right away, and I remember he just impressed it upon me so strongly. He said, you know, she is yours, but she is mine. Steward her well. Don't let her pull you from me. 
And with that, I scooped her up and <laughs> took her wherever, you know, and, and I was tested and tested and tested. The one time she ended up, um, I mean, tested, because one time she ended up at AI DuPont with a huge gash, multiple stitches at barely two years old, was literally, she was not far from me, but she had run into the auditorium of the church we were in, and I was in a women's ministry meeting, and she fell off the stage and cut her face open. I mean, Things that would say to your flesh, I am a terrible mother. You better quit that ministry now and and get your family home and be a good mother. Whoa, believe me, I had all kinds of emotions about that one and just feeling like, what have I done? But the Lord brings each of us, and as it pertains to Yvonne, I'll tell you this other part of the story that I've told, but it's been a while. The Lord gives each of us, whether it be a child or anything else that he gives you to steward, Each one of us comes to a crossroad, or you could call it an Abraham Isaac moment. I began to, when she was, goodness, three, I can't remember the exact year, but I began to have significant nightmares of her being taken, um, abducted, of, of her basically... The Lord revealed to me that there was a strategy that she would not make it past her eighth birthday. And and it was something that it wasn't one of those things where you you write it off and just, oh, the enemy's just trying to lie to you. No, the Lord was revealing that the enemy had a plan. And it was very much confirmed because separate from any confirmation or conversation, rather, Someone else, and Anissa actually, the Lord revealed that to her too. And she really um, stepped in with additional just prayer support and even investing into Yvonne at that time, which was, was amazing. But I do remember just, uh, I was paralyzed with how to handle it. And I didn't speak of it for months to Greg. I didn't even speak of this inner turmoil because I didn't know how to put words to it. I, I didn't, I'm not one that has had nightmares. I didn't understand that. But I, I knew there was some sort of strategy. And um, so one day, um, I just, Yvonne had come home uh, from her, from school, and she, she wanted to know Jesus, and she wanted to invite Jesus in her heart, and I had the privilege of praying with her, and she accepted Jesus, and she actually drew this picture of her crying, these tears of joy. I still have it in the inside of my cupboard. It's so cute, which was on the day that she asked Jesus into her heart. And I remember standing in the kitchen, just, you know, so thrilled that she accepted Jesus. And what a joy it is. You know, anytime a parent, has, I used to hear people talk about that when they had um, the parents that would have the joy. I didn't, I didn't ever care. I thought, Lord, just save their souls. Like if I pray with them, if somebody else prays with them, if they pray by themselves, just save them. Um, but to give me the opportunity to do that was really special. And so I stood in the kitchen that day and I remember just declaring, because I couldn't, it, it, the turmoil was so oppressive and so, it's it's such a helpless thing when you cannot, there was no protecting her, even though I did everything I could to protect her. It becomes something that you, you can just be consumed with worry. And many parents are over their children's safety. They just, it becomes all consuming. And so I stood there in the kitchen that day and I just said, I said, okay, Lord, at least you, you saved her soul. So whatever is going on, if, if, if you if you're going to take her, if this was the plan, if she if she if she was given to me for just eight years, and that's all I get, then I am 
thankful. I am thankful. And she is yours. And this was not, this was not a, and I know you'll bring her back because you raised people from that. I, I never even, it never even occurred to me that there was a resurrection. I never even thought like that at that time. And I, I knew that was true from the word of God, but I never thought about that in a modern day context. I, I just didn't, that didn't occur to me. It was just, if you give me eight years with her, I'm thankful. And when I released her, everything broke. And the Lord showed me right away, what I give you is not yours, it's still mine. Don't ever take from me into your own hands what I give you to steward. Now, you can also apply that to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are ours to steward. They are gifted upon us to be vessels. You can apply that to anything. Whatever we hold on to too tightly in this world, um, the Lord in his grace, in his mercy, will bring us to a place of testing where that can be pried out of our hands. Now, the best place to be is just being willing to let go of it. But if, you, if you're not willing to let go of it, what you do not want is for it to be pried out of your hands. If I don't open my fist and give you this pen, and I have John come over here and try to open my fist, it's like you can do it the easy way, or I can hold on tight as he pulls and pulls and rips, and as I fight and possibly get some scratches and some, you know, whatever, possibly a finger broken, trying to get it out, go or go the hard way. The Lord, though, doesn't want us to have in our in our grip, something that the enemy can use against us. And so I want to encourage you, when you receive something from the Lord, don't take it and run with it, because, see, that's where the leaning on our own understanding comes in. Faith is trusting that God, he loves to give good gifts to his children, but it's, it's trusting that he will then also help us every single step with that. Everything is his. It is from him. It is for him. It is, it is all about him. And that's the lens of this life that I see in Hebrews 11, when I see whose builder and architect is God. Abraham lived in a place that he was looking forward to a city who has a fix. This is in Hebrews 11, verse 10 which is fixed and firm foundations on God alone. If you skip down to verse 14, and it said, Now those people, and this is in Hebrews 11 in the uh, Amplified Classic, Now those people who talk as they did show plainly that they are in search of a fatherland, their own country, okay, if they had been thinking with homesick remembrance of that country from which they were immigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. When we let go of something and we recognize that we're citizens of heaven and we believe, we believe for God's purpose and plan that is higher than just jobs, relationships, tasks on this earth, they are important. But everything has to be through the lens of what is the whole purpose of God? What is the whole purpose of God? See, we operate on this, this linear line of our past, our present is our reality, our future is our hope, right? 
God, outside of time, looks above time, sees the entirety of the picture. That before the foundations of the earth, he created us for a purpose to bring him glory. Within that experience, he's promised to give us all spiritual blessings. All of heaven's secrets are available. I can imagine, you know, when we think about these wonderful things that we can have here on this earth, these wonderful desires, it has been wonderful to be married. Make sure it's the will of God to be married. And those of you that don't want to be married, you better make sure that it's the will of God to be married. See, don't resist marriage, but don't hunger and thirst for it outside of God's will. It has to be for the purpose of God and his plan for you as a whole. That has to be the lens with everything we do, even our desire for children. There are desires that God places, but what places within us, but what does Psalm 37, 4 say? Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll actually give you the desires. We don't know. I got to tell you, I don't trust my own desires. I don't trust what my desires are. I have heard in close times of prayer, in prayer groups, um, and I'm just going to say his name, Michael. I've, I've heard when the Lord has been speaking, and he says, he offers a choice. I've heard Michael's response saying, I want what you want. That's what I want. That's my choice. When the Lord says, you can choose this or you can choose this. That's a, that's a wonderful thing, by the way. When the Lord says, you can have this or you can have that. Really? Both are in your will? Really? I could, I could go here. I could go there. I could do this or I could do that. And, and so we sometimes, we, we, we hear that and we're like, whew, this is awesome. God is so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're going to give me this or that. Rather than, Lord, what do you want? I want what you want. I thank you for the choice. But I want what you want. So please speak more clearly to me. Because ultimately, if I don't get what you want for me, I could end up in error somewhere, and I don't ever want to be off the path. Were the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half the, Manasseh, uh, half the tribe of Manasseh, were they in overt sin? No, the Lord gave them rest in that land. He gave that to them. He appeased them. He said, okay, this is what you have asked for. And I'm sure after Moses, again, confessed his temper reaction, which you have to read in Numbers 32, after he confessed that to the Lord, I, I know that he agreed with the Lord. Okay, you can have this. But what that cost them in strength, in focus, and what they missed out on, they didn't know. Now, sadly, because of what has happened to, to the Israelites, they never actually fully, fully, fully possessed every part of the land that was given to them. Many of them went into a large portion of it, but they never actually fully, fully possessed all of the land. I don't know. I just, I don't want that to be said of whatever God's plan is for me. And so where is your faith to believe that God has a plan for you and that if you place everything in his hand, you will not miss out? See, why do we go back into our own choices? Why do we say, well, God, if you're going to give me this or this? I really would rather have this because, you know, I mean, this is maybe this is my comfort zone. This is kind of what I've always wanted. You know, what is it that keeps us 
from the response. See, it cost, and, and the reason I, I, I don't exalt Michael as, you know, in terms of, of a person, but the reason I use him as, as an example is because he paid a price of missing it a few, a few times to get to the place where, you know what, there just is no answer except what do you want, Lord? There just is none. It's not, Lord, I want to take from this great banquet. He gives us that. He will give you that. But is your faith high enough? He wants faith to arise to his plan and his plan alone. His plan that every place we have been given to place our foot is already ours. And we can possess it if we position ourselves, as Joshua said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow we will cross the Jordan. Get ready. But unfortunately, you people here, you cross with us. Okay, you're fighting men and women. You cross with us, but then you go back to the place that you've settled in. There is a portion of the bride that has done that. Man, we're, you know, we, we really appreciate those remnant people. We really appreciate those people. We appreciate that pastor in Canada who's in jail right now. Um, and, and, I mean, just horrible things coming against him. He's not the only one that's experienced different um, arrests and different things. We just, we just think that those things are just so wonderful. My, I might even write a check toward that. That's just fantastic. But don't ask me to go that far. Don't ask me to go that far. Don't ask me to go all the way in. There's too many, there's too many Hittites and, and Hivites and, you know, all the ites are there. And I, I'm, just, I'm just not up to it, man. I'm, besides, I'm, I'm watching. I got I to gotta deal. I got cows, man. I got cows. They're, they're, they're grazing here in this awesome pasture. And, Lord, you know my heart. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be not right with you. And the Lord says, I know. I know. So stay here and rest. Stay here and rest. One day, they will weep before the Lord at what they missed out on. They will weep before the Lord. They will say, seriously, my cattle enjoyed this land when I could have gone into the full promise, when I could have encountered all that you had for me, and I settled because my desires at the moment were all I could see. I didn't have the faith to see there was something beyond. Don't say, I'm willing to go to Nigeria, and then never go to Nigeria. Let your yes be yes. Be careful what you say. What you declare is allowed to be tested in the court of heaven. Did you know that? What you declare, when you say, I would die for you, Lord, watch out. And don't be afraid to die. By the way, dying isn't just your actual life being taken. When you say, I will die for you, that, that is an everyday I am so tired. I cannot get on this prayer call. Die for him. Let that flesh die and pick up that phone. And I'm not speaking to the times when the Lord releases you to not be on it. Remember, it's not about the external things. It's about the heart posture. It's the heart posture. You will not die for him if your flesh never dies. If you're willing to lose your birthright for a sandwich. You know, like seriously, there are things that we say that we'll do for the Lord. Let your yes be yes. Let your faith rise up because it's time. It's time. We want to be vessels. Man, when I see, and and I I don't have language to put to it, but I will just tell you that there is um, so much happening in the spirit right now. There is so much happening. There is, there is a, it's, it's, it's overwhelming what is about to be released. And, and I want to, before we close this message today, I want to show you what, one of, to me, the, the saddest verses 
in, in all of the Bible. Um, because this is, this is what we have to believe for. And, and I want you to go to um, John chapter 20. And I want to be, I'm going to be in the New Living, and because I'm a paper gal, I've got 27 Bibles up here. Um, John chapter 20 is where you see, um, actually, no, I'm going I'm to do New Living, I mean, uh, NIV, please. Let's just do NIV for this one. John chapter 20. Because I was going to go to, to John 6. There's just so many good, it's hard to nail it all down, you know, they're so good. There's so many good ones. Um. But John chapter 20 is where you, you, Jesus was crucified. He is appearing to the disciples, okay? He appears to them in, uh, in verse 24, and um, Thomas is there. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, and this is an NIV, just in case you, whatever, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What? What? This was not some passerby. This was one of the 12 disciples. This was one of the 12 disciples. Now, yes, he was not Judas. I'm not putting him into that camp. He did go on to believe after he saw. But what's astounding to me is that he did not believe after the eyewitnesses that were the closest to him. And and I've been in the Gospels because I just love to listen to the audio Bible of, of the Gospels all the time. Just so many things that Jesus just came in to just blow their minds and just say, look, there's a whole kingdom way of thinking and you're not there yet. Let me just introduce to you something higher, a new way to look at things. And he showed them. They saw miracle after miracle. He had experiences, encounters. He sat at the very feet of Jesus. He knew Jesus was Lord. But he also saw something that rocked his world. He saw Jesus crucified, arrested, taken. There was a shakeup. And he, I'm sure, allowed himself to, in fear, think it was all over. And it rocked him so deeply that at the thought of him being resurrected, he probably rejected it like, okay, I know these guys are just, they're just full of hope and, you know, it was some sort of angel or some epiphany or they're having some other, you know, out-of-body experience because they were kind of used to them. I'm not going to believe it. I will not. I will not get my hopes up because what I've been through rocked me so severely. I am not going to go there again because that hurt. Where was his faith in that moment? Now, when Jesus came, of course, he said, Thomas, it's time to stop doubting. Put your hand in my side. Put your hand in the nail prints. Believe. Believe. But let me tell you something. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen and have not touched and where it's not proven to them. Today, God is looking for a group of people with the faith to believe something they have not seen. That just in their spirit, they believe and they're willing to believe and not just some some faith that isn't anchored in truth. You can have faith for a lot of things. I'm amazed at how much faith it takes people to believe in evolution. It's not just faith alone. It's where your faith is anchored. But he's looking for a faith that will be absolutely anchored in him that will not be shakable and also not be 
twisted by lack of surrender. Because everybody will gravitate toward the miracles, toward God, toward the, you know, somebody, some great church is doing this, doing that. The tough thing is when you get a word, you, you get something that's confusing. And now all of a sudden you have to surrender. Okay, Lord, I don't understand this. There's a lot of paradoxes. And we have to, we have to look sometimes at the entirety of a picture. See, that's why it's very, very important to see that God is outside of time. Otherwise, you're going to see a lot of paradoxes in the word of God that don't measure up. And you can't have a one-verse theology that you, that you, you know, take around. Whenever you're studying a book, and, and those of you in the Ephesians Bible study, there's a great parallel from the book of Ephesians to the book of Joshua that is amazing that you need to look at the similarities there in terms of, of going into your identity and what's been promised and what's been given to you and what you're equipped to take by God's power. But God is looking for people that will just believe. Believe him, not partly, but believe him. I, I, I have been through my own offenses with the Lord. Why did I get offended? Because I extracted a word, took it from my own limited understanding, and went with it, And when it didn't work out the way that I had planned or thought or expected based on what I knew the word was, I immediately felt the Lord had let me down. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Now, thankfully, in that particular case, it wasn't something that I could have manufactured myself or there would have been a whole lot bigger going roundabout to get back. Because how many of us have done that? We've made decisions based on this, what this, what Lord, this, what you've said. And remember, when you seek the Lord on a matter, continue to lay it down. If he gives you a yes on your job, don't continue to ask him in doubt when he gives you your yes, believe him. But if that job is really his and you're really laying it down, then you're not going to be freaked out by surrendering it to him every day. So that in case you took something the wrong way or heard it differently than what it was intended from the Lord, that you will then not be in error. See, there has to be a constant surrender. Faith has to partner with surrender. Otherwise, we can just plain stand on, you know, a certain word. When the Lord told us about Donald Trump being the president for eight years, right now is the time that you would have quite a shakeup in whether or not you heard correctly. And there has been just constant surrender. And many of you, you, you lay it down. You're like, Lord, I, I think of that verse, tis so, or the, the um, old hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And um, the, uh, the chorus is, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. The word of the Lord has proven himself over and over again. So when I get a word that makes no sense, that is being ultimately tested. Not only is he not in the White House, but it's, it's not humanly looking like there's a, there's a shot. But when you know that you know that you know that the Lord has said something, then you, you surrender it and you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep believing, but I am going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening. And B. Reg has said so many times, he's like, I don't, I don't have any, I have no stake in whether or not um, I'm going to lose something. If, if I was wrong, I'd say I was wrong. But at the same time, we have to believe. 
you don't think Noah for 120 years might have wondered if he got this wrong? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know what? Nobody's joining us. It's not looking so good, okay? Uh, there's a lot of crazy people. Nephilim, you know, there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on. Nobody's wanting to get in the boat, and they pretty much hate us. So are you sure? Like, it's been kind of a long time now. I mean, we're, we're at the 100-year mark. How much further do we have to go? You know, it wasn't based on any of that. It really wasn't circumstantial at all. It was completely this. God, all I got to you. At the end of the day, whatever's going on in this world, everything is yours. I will steward my life. You give me this, it's yours, but I'll steward it. You give me a relationship, you give me money, you give me a job, you give me a child, I will steward it, but they are yours. And don't ever, ever let what God has actually given you, don't let what he gave you keep you from relationship with him. We know that, but yet how often do we do that? Thank you, God, for this job. Oh, man, you know what? They started putting me on Sundays now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what, I don't know what to do, man. I mean, I, God, I, thank you, God, that you just get it. Thank you that you get it because you gave me this job. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to give you an extra 10 minutes of devotion time before I go to work Sunday mornings. Really? You got to know the voice of the Lord. You got to know. Look at your life. Ask him. Is what he's giving you drawing you closer? Because it will always draw you closer if it's from him. If he's giving you something and it's not drawing you closer to him, you better go back and lay at his feet and say, God, what am I misunderstanding here? I ought to be closer to you because of what you've been given, giving me, not more and more obstacles because of this. And we do get tested. I'm not saying we don't get tested. But every time, it is, it's got to be choosing God. You'll never give him your life if you don't give him all the other little things let your faith arise this morning don't don't settle east of the jordan get out if you have been settling east of the jordan get your fanny across that river in the name of jesus let's pray father god thank you thank you for your word thank you for these examples that you've given us lord thank you that you have shown us what it costs when we don't seek, desire, and go after your best. You love us so much, God. We don't know how much you love us when we think that you're okay with us settling. There is no settling. You are not a God that settles. You are an against all odds God of the promise. You have promised us you will never leave us or forsake us. You have promised us that you will take us into the full territory of our destiny, of our Canaan, if we will just believe you for it. God, let us not be deceived. God, you are not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will reap corruption. But if he sows to, the, to you, God, to, to our, our almighty God in full surrender, we will reap life everlasting. Oh, God, may we have, may we actually have by our faith crowns to lay at your feet. Help us to be just in the two places you tell us and and others that the just live by faith. The just shall live by faith. God, we want to be in right standing with you. We cannot be without believing you, without trusting you. 
And as the Amplified says, trust in, believe in, adhere to, and rely on you. God, we just love you. Help us. Help us. Our spirits are willing. Our flesh is so often weak. Help us to just take one bite at a time with you. Sometimes the entire plate looks overwhelming. But God, you walk with us and you talk with us. Walk with us, Lord. Speak clearly. Let us surrender every part of us so that we are not in error in any way, God. And at the end of the day, even that is a faith walk that you are faithful to keep that which we have committed unto you against the day of your return, God. I praise you. I praise you. Let our faith arise in the name of Jesus. Amen.